Neo Rhythm has had an interesting course of games. The album played style of the original release, the more expected select whatever you want style of curtain call, and then an arcade game with a unique input method yet still a touchscreen. And now, the arcade game comes to the Switch as Theo Rhythm Final Bar Line. House Biscuit doesn't pre-order, but this voiceover guy made an exception. This is your music game update. Now it's time for your hosts, Rob Roberts, Jamie Summers, and Loki to tell you more about this and the rest of the week's gaming news. Starting right now on the show, wherever gamer has voice... Hello, my friends out there on the internet, and welcome back to another week of the show where every gamer has a voice. It is Orange Lounge Radio. We are live once again with episode number 947 of our show for tonight, February the 5th, 2023. I can't believe it's already February, but you know what? I don't control time. My name is Rob Roberts, and uh, what I do control is being here every Sunday night with you all at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific at the Voice Geeks Network, twitch.tv slash Network right after our pal Bobby Blackwolf, who is also on Sunday nights live. But of course, you can listen to us as a podcast as well, where we've been available pretty much ever since podcasting has existed uh, in all your favorite apps, such as iTunes, Spotify, what have you. I am joined tonight not by Dark Sokka or Jamie Summers. Unfortunately, uh, she has fallen ill. She's a bit under the weather. Uh, she's got more on her Twitter if you want to check that out over at Dark Sakura. Uh, but uh, her voice is a little bit um, not able to do the length of the show tonight as a result so obviously uh hope she recovers real soon and hoping to have her back on the show next week uh who i do have though is Techmaster loki here as always say hello loki hello how are you doing i'm doing okay i see here uh, as we're broadcasting live you you tend to play some video games behind you uh on on your you know little chat box screen discord box and uh we've got some classic zelda wind waker it looks like and this is i can tell by the three by four this is the original wind waker and not the remake that they put on uh that was on wii u but then i think they put it on switch as well i have a hard time I don't think following it's on what switch. Else they never it's put it on, on switch wii. only on wii u no, i feel like everything totally on wii u it. showed up on switch at some point i have a hard time following sometimes but why why wind waker um it, because i went to the retro game store recently and i was looking for well we were looking for a few things so um i was telling my kids about like the zelda ds games and stuff like that so we we're looking to see if we could find them because we went to a GameStop and they only had um ocarina of time which i did buy and but like it's just all part of that speculative market right now like yeah. the retro games that they have at the store are so expensive they wanted and it wasn't a sealed copy like 120 dollars for wind waker Wow. I was like, no, no, no. You're better off trying to find that type of stuff at an estate sale or something. eBay. You can find an eBay much cheaper than that. Like, even the even flea like, market, who tends to mark up a little bit, I don't think marks up that high unless you, yeah, as it's long as you just, don't have a permanent vendor. It, it was ridiculous. I get it for like sealed games and stuff like that, but like non sealed stuff, no. Like, I have Wind Waker somewhere. My sister is borrowing it with my GameCube and lost it somewhere i don't know where where it is but she had it at one point um but yeah it's, do you think it's the retro stupid. do you think the retro game market is is uh, on this like get rich quick thing because of all these stories yes. we hear about super mario brothers <laughs> sealed boxes well, that was a whole there was a whole incident with that but yeah. you know or or things that really are rare like um you know, that that power pad game, stadium events or whatever the power pad game was no. before it became a world-class track meet it's it's it it is driven by that group. I mean, there's videos about it. Like Carl Jobs has done videos about um, the whole market. It's it's artificially being inflated by them. It's 
you know, basically the company that does the grading is own or they're in cahoots with the auction house. So obviously it's well worth it for them to grade things higher than they probably should be. And then on top of that, they're selling it back to themselves for a hundred thousand dollars. So like you watch like who bought that first Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario 64, whatever it was that went for like over a hundred thousand dollars. It was somebody that was part of that auction house that bought it. So it, it's really dumb, like these things. It, they're trying to do that to drive inflation in the market so that they can turn a profit, like a really huge profit on these things. And it's starting to crash now, too. Like a lot of the game prices have dropped significantly, like almost 75% from where they were before. Mm-hmm. But these guys did the same thing back in the 80s as well with, I think, like coins. And I think they like same thing with like Beanie Baby stuff. Um, they artificially inflate stuff by basically selling to themselves. Like they tried that with NFTs too. Like people tried. Oh like, yeah, of course. I was just about to, to say themselves. this. Whole, it feels a lot like NFTs and Bitcoin. You know? Yeah, and and it's it's unfortunate because it probably won't ever get back down to where things were before. It will be more expensive, but yeah, it, it's like even just in the few months since I bought like my last NES games, because um, I went there and bought a bunch of things, but like. I was looking at like the different games that they had, like Mega Man and stuff like that. They had a Mega Man. It was not sealed, just Mega Man One. I think they wanted like it was, it was just over... just Mega Man. It was it was well, it was open. It was like it was an open copy. It's yeah, used. It. Yeah, they wanted over sixty dollars for that. I think it was sixty or a hundred dollars for that thing. And I was like, no, like yeah. I'm not gonna pay Especially that. When you can get a lot of those games, you know, like in the digital market, and I get, I get for to a collector that doesn't mean anything. Like I, I remember when Sweet Code Two came out on PlayStation Three in, in the PlayStation One Classics catalog because that game and, and the original Sweet Code as well because those games were very rare to find on PlayStation, and people were worried that it was going to cut the value of those CDs. But hooray, accessibility for the rest of us, right? Being able to get those games, you know, if we didn't have them and now of course the remasters are on their way which is also great news but um yeah i just i think about stuff like that is that you know especially mega mega man's been done a lot you know with the legacy collection yeah and it wouldn't even be like i don't know like i have a collection of nintendo games but like (laughs) they're just sitting in a pile right here on my computer like they're not being played like my the nintendo or the well it's a nes i don't remember what it's called now like those retron things it's not a retron it's um it's an avs so yeah a retro usb avs so okay. it does hd it, it's like a hd and covered in dust an <laughs> hd um like nes thing or something but it like it's it's cool it'll do like both the famicom and the nes games in in hd hmm. um plus i have a regular nintendo as well uh if i don't want it to be in hd but i just thought it's easier because I don't know. It's not as, you know, clean. And I just wanted to have like a small collection of games or just stuff I used to play. And I remember like I bought Contra from that store like not that long ago. Um, It was like 12 bucks. Went back there, you know, yesterday and it was like $60. So it's. It's Weird. just dumb. Like Weird. you can like honestly get that stuff much cheaper online now, like because it it is really ridiculous especially open games like sealed i get it sealed yeah maybe really inflated but open used stuff like i i just don't get that these games aren't rare like wind waker is not a rare game by far and it's just i don't know 
they're trying to play into that immediacy of people wanting it now or whatever, you know? It's I mean, weird. like, yeah, if it's Wind, like Wind Waker, like, honestly, I'll just pirate that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll play it on an emulator well, and something like that. It's a valid thing that the market should have to contend with in this day and age. You know what I mean? Like the, the reality is there's so many ways to emulate that stuff too. Yeah. It's mainly, I was just trying to share it with my kids is really the, the goal behind it. Um, especially like the DS stuff. Like I, I don't even know why by why we bought Ocarina of Time for the DS or it wasn't DS, it's 3DS, but he's going to be playing on 2DS. But at the same time, like, you know, actually, now that I think of it, we have that Nintendo online thing. Like, you could probably just play it through there and it would probably control better anyways. But eh, whatever, you know, it's, it was 25 bucks, whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it's just silly. Like, it really is. All right, uh, heading over to our chat over twitch.tv slash VOG Network, because again, we tape live and you guys can comment along with the show. And there's actually a few people chiming in on this topic because we have a lot of listeners that are into retro collections or have a, a passion for retro gaming, understandably. Dark Tutsia says, reminds me of this time I was down here in 2013. The shop we went into wanted 50 bucks for cart-only Donkey Kong Classics on NES. Yeah, that's not a particularly rare game either. I think if you could find Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong Jr. on its own, which I do believe they did at one point. I know three was its own cart. I thought they did junior on its own cart, but pretty early on they merged regular and junior into the Donkey Kong Classics cart, which was not an uncommon find. That yeah, is they a, had that is an they had a common cartridge. They had a Donkey Kong, just a straight up Donkey Kong there yeah. for the NES. I don't remember how much find it was. Those though. carts. Those are much rarer because they didn't make nearly as many of them as they did classics. That's for yeah. sure. Or even a three, probably, because that game was really um, uh, overlooked. Um, let's see. Other comments in chat here. Uh, Questbuster says, years ago, I was looking for a copy of Snatcher for the Sega CD and pieced one together from two different auctions to make it cheaper. And a lot of people kind of saying like online seems to be the way to go for some of these things. And yeah, I think kind of what I was referencing there is that a, a lot of these markets may be preying and of sort. I don't want to... I realize a lot of folks that run these stores are just people passionate about this as well, trying to make a living, and they have to price it where they feel they need to price it. So I don't want to make it sound like they're intentionally right. trying to gouge, no. but they're, they are hoping that you need that immediacy of having this cart now or having this collectible now. There is a sense of that that makes the market up. Yeah, there's there's like, I mean, honestly, there were like things I was like, you know, I I would have paid like there was I don't remember what it was. It was something something that they had. I, I wanted to get a Legend of Zelda is what I wanted. And um, I know they said a, a Zelda 2 Adventures of Link. I think that they had a Zelda. But I'm like, I don't know how much that is. And I really don't want to just pay like $60 for this. Like. Honestly, when I'm looking for stuff like uh, retro games, like I don't need a case for it. it. Doesn't need to be in a box as long as it doesn't have like, like gross, you know, jam hand kid residue <laughs> on the cartridge. And as long as like it's it's somewhat intact, you know, I'm like like that is all that I care about. And maybe the label not like torn. You know, just like kind of it can be dirty. That's fine. I've cleaned like several of these cartridges before, but like. I'm not it's not a high bar to hit like really when I'm looking for stuff. So it's I don't Jam know. hand sounds like the villain in the next Pixel Poops game. Just saying. Jam <laughs> right. hands, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh Dr. Tia says I think the rare one is DK Junior Math for some reason. That that was a thing. 
Um, and, uh, that was a game for sure. Uh, and it's, uh, it is, it wasn't that first wave of releases, one of the black box original Nintendo releases. And I believe, I think Nintendo was probably forced into doing that game because edutainment was kind of a thing right around that time, because there's that whole video games will rot your brain thing going on in the, in the media a lot. Right. So a lot of times game companies would have to try to put out something, to show, oh, no, games can be very educational. Like, here's Donkey Kong Jr. teaching math, and it's not a great game, but it's there. Or Mario is Missing. It was another one of those. Or, But it's, then, of course, we all know some edutainment games were so good, they're uh, etched in our brains now, such as The Oregon Trail, Number Munchers, Carmen Sandiego. You know, there were a lot of games that did it very well, for sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, Sia says there was a Japan-exclusive one that was Hangman, but with Popeye. That doesn't surprise me as well. That's uh, pretty cool. Uh, also in chat, some comments on Theatrhythm going all the way back to Jason's introduction tonight. Um, some folks that were saying uh, they didn't realize that Theatrhythm was an arcade game. Yeah, it was. It was never officially released in America, um, but Round One Entertainment, which is in America that imports all the Japanese games, you could play it at Round One. I think by now the servers, are, I think the servers are offline at this point. You don't really see those machines in the wild. If you're lucky enough to know a private collector, you might still be able to play that arcade machine. But yeah, there was an arcade machine. It was really good. I loved it. I did get to play it uh, a few times. And uh, it had a similar version of uh, the EMU's card that Konami has, has a similar version of that. And I don't remember the name of it, but somebody in chat will probably shout it out. Nesca, maybe it was called, or that might have been one of the other uh, companies. But they had its own card that you could save your scores and that whole thing too. Uh, Gigi Romero says Nessica. Okay, so I was I was close. So it was a card like that. So um, yeah, unfortunately, Dark to see if you haven't played it yet, I doubt you're going to find it at around one anymore. I think the servers were finally shut down. But the good news is we have Final Bar Line that's going to be coming out pretty soon, and we'll talk about much more about that later in the show because there's a demo that came out this week. So we'll get into that. In a little while. Um, also, also with some of those games, you know, with it, since most modern arcade games nowadays run on PC, some of the darker parts of the web, you may be able to find a version of the game that you can run on your PC and play it at home. Mm-hmm. The same. How's that? Um, also, since, since somebody brought up Donkey Kong Jr. Math, and that makes me think of the whole video games rot your brain thing and how, you know, we don't, we don't really see that. I mean, there's always those you know, people out there that are going to try to bemoan video games. We all know certain politicians and certain people in power will always try to blame video games whenever anything bad happens. But overall, I think the reason why you see a lot less of that talk now about video games are bad and will rot your brain is that, you know, as kids that grew up on this stuff are now 40 somethings like those of us hosting OLR and so forth, as the generations have gotten older, I think you see more and more video games in pop culture. And a huge example of that, I know if I don't bring it up, somebody's going to say in chat, why didn't you bring this up? A huge example of that would be last night, Saturday night live. I don't know if you uh, saw this Loki, but um, Pedro Pascal apparently was the host who plays uh, Joel in Saturday or in, um, uh, the last of us, last which, of is, us yeah. which is doing very well on HBO. And yes, yeah, my wife is watching it without me right now. Yeah. Well, okay, Cause it's on right now during the show, which by the way, you can watch it on HBO max anytime you want. You don't need to do it right now. But apparently last week's episode in particular was like, people are saying like, if this doesn't win Emmys, then the Emmys are a joke. Like last week's episode was that good. And it also apparently was the first episode that DV. And yes, I know all about what happened and 
why in particular the story may resonate with me. Yes, I've heard everything about that. I but but um apparently it was their first place where they deviated from the game a little bit to tell a deeper backstory that wasn't in the game. And um of course because of the fact that it involved a same-sex romance, you know people on the internet had something to say about it as they tend to do. Um I don't have time to get hung up on what those people think. I'm just very glad that the art exists. I'm glad it's getting made. I'm somebody I'm glad somebody paid for that to be made. Um I'm glad that such talented actors like Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett did that role uh and played it to apparently perfection. I haven't seen the episode myself, but all I've heard is that it was really good. So, um I don't remember where I was going with this, but The Last of Us is doing great and, you know, this whole they can't make good art out of video games. Curse is broken. Oh, yeah, the haters. I wanted to respond to the haters. So the haters are saying, oh, it deviated in. But if you wanted to see a shot-for-shot remake of the video game, play the video game. It's not going anywhere. And by, by the way, those same characters were gay in the video game. Gay! And by the way, <laughs> like the, the creator of the video game is also working on the story of the show. So like this is what they wanted yes. to ha- yeah. to explore with it. So it's like I don't It know. sounds to me again, I am not a huge Last of Us fan, not not a hater. I just don't have time to play every single video game, right? But um I I honestly the more I'm hearing about this, the more I'm like, okay, maybe I should just get over my I don't love to watch scary zombie stuff and watch this because apparently there's a lot more art there than you know, what I'm giving it credit for or what have you. So anyway, um, yes. And Bobby says we got on this tangent because of SNL. Yes, I sure did. So last I started at live did that whole Mario Kart sketch, which, you know, had Pedro Pascal as Mario. And it was like a dark version of Mario. And it was it was really funny. But you have to kind of look at that. And what I really, really was getting at before was about the whole like video games will rot your brain. Here we are now full circle that when Saturday Night Live is making references about video games like Mario Kart, it's because everybody's played Mario Kart. And it's interesting that they picked Mario Kart in particular. They didn't pick Super Mario Brothers with the movie coming out. They picked Mario Kart. But like, seriously, way more people know Mario Kart and have played Mario Kart than don't at this point. No matter what your age, what your gender or any of that stuff. It's... You know, Mario Kart, Mario Kart is a universal language at this point. And that's what made that sketch so good, I think. And so many people laughed and liked that. So, um, yeah, I just, I had to bring it up. It was really, it was funny and well done. Yeah. And Tiger Claw points out the production value on that sketch was pretty good. Yeah, even if yeah, it was their art department was really working overtime yeah, for that. Yeah. A lot of people are like, I would watch that show. I got 90s Super Mario Brothers movie vibes, but like. Not in a bad like a lot of you are gonna be like, no, I like how they remember how I that like movie how, was kind of trying to go like dark yeah. and gritty. Yeah, it's like it's, I like how they were making fun of like the the Chris Pratt like react like the reaction to his voice in the Mario trailer and stuff because they they did the two lines from the trailer in that and it was great. Yeah, so I, I and of course I love the whole bow Bo and Yang who I think is hilarious doing the whole like I'm Yoshi and I'm bisexual. <laughs> It's funny. It's, it's very gritty. I'm Toad, and I'm also bisexual. <laughs> but he, didn't he do it in the voice? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's just it was hilarious. It, the was whole good. thing was just like it's it's just silly. I mean, yeah. that's what it's supposed to be. Like I don't exactly. know. People are getting bent out of shape about Saturday that. Saturday Night Live hey, is supposed to be funny. You know, we it live, isn't always, but we live in the was. 21st century, and 
there are people that are bisexual out there. I know. Don't be alarmed. But they're out there, you know. So what? I don't know. What? Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Tiger Claw was saying people were calling for Pedro Pascal to be the voice of Mario in the animated movie. I'm going to put it this way. A lot of people that would say that about Pedro Pascal, including me, would also say that Pedro Pascal can do anything he wants. Yeah. To me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want to rub. Anyway, uh, let's see. Um, we're, I, I want to get into tonight's topic, too. I actually want to address something else. I, I know we're being a little lighthearted, and I hate to bring things down. I didn't warn you about this, Loki, but I, I got to vent about something kind of going on a little bit personally um, because uh, we do that here on the show sometimes, right? It's uh, a long show because sometimes we talk about what's going on in our personal lives and so forth. Um, and I, I want to bring this up because I think when I'm in like a weird headspace, I think we should be transparent about that sort of thing. Um, you know, because it's, it's okay to not be okay. Right. I'm not saying I'm not okay, but like definitely my day just got like, oh, like derailed a little bit. Um, I, uh, I found out earlier to, y'all know I play Ingress, right. And, uh, which is, you know, the same company that makes Pokemon go and, uh, uh, you know, out of these GPS locations, you take, you know, things in the park and, you know, the same things that are Poke stops and that sort of thing in Pokemon go. And it's like a player versus player game. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of intense strategy that goes on in it, right? Because it is player versus player and you're always kind of trying to think two steps ahead of what the other team might be doing. And you're, you know, planning with other people on your own team, working together to get gear and all that stuff, right? So I don't mean to be a commercial for the game, but I do play it a lot. It's been very good for like my exercise and so forth. Um, long story long, I found out earlier today that one of my teammates that I played the game with passed away on January 17th, actually. And we just found out about it today just because some mutual friends that we knew um, ended up doing, because we also seem to roll in some similar communities. There was some overlap with like Rocky horror leads to goth leads to steampunk. So we had some like common friends as well. And I, I you know, I'm not looking for condolences or anything like that. Thank you. I, I, I do appreciate it, but I was not super tight with this individual, but we were two people playing the same game who had that, you know, like professional, I, it sounds weird to say, but we had that respect. I think that, that gaming respect for each other. I knew like, Hey, I, I need a teammate to do something for me. Like, Hey, I'm going to go drop this link. Could you throw a blocker? Cause I see you're right here. Can you throw something so that they can't rethrow it? You know, he would do that sort of thing and I could do the same thing for him or go bump a portal or whatever. Like that's, you know, we, we had a good professional gamemanship relationship and, um, you know, it's a little weird to find out like two weeks after the fact that that person is gone. I had noticed that he wasn't active in the game, but people go, people go inactive for all sorts of reasons. They go on a trip. The holidays happen. They just want a freaking break. And so it wasn't until I saw this post on Facebook from other overlapping communities where it was like, we haven't heard from him in like two, you know, two weeks where it was like, uh Oh, what's going And then one thing led to another. And, you know, they found out that he had actually passed away. Um, but you know, thinking about all this in the context of like video games, it, it really is just a harrowing reminder, especially because things can get very intense in player versus player games, sometimes like Ingress and there can be smack talking sometimes and that sort of thing. It is a very harrowing reminder that we're all fucking human. And especially in this gaming space, sometimes I'm not, this isn't like a call out for Ingress or anything like that. It's just, this has me thinking about other video games and some of the venom that I've seen in video games 
in like, let's say a dead by daylight post game chat, an MMO party where somebody wasn't pulling their weight or didn't know the fights. So there's other people that start yelling at them. Uh, the venom that happens on social media uh, all the time, you know, because of a gaming opinion or because a certain person is involved with games or because they changed the plot of a television show to tell a different artistic side of a story that started in a video game. You name it. It's just one of those things where it is just a harrowing reminder. Video games are played by people. Actual living, breathing, existing people. And spare me the talk about the AI that does things that games done quick. You all fucking know that's not what I'm talking about right now. For the vast majority of games are done by people. And the, when you're playing against these Caesars, it played by people. And yeah, what Mike Dev says in chat, we're all people in the end. And we never know when that end's going to happen. So, like, just fucking treat gamers, treat people with that professional sportsmanship, gamemanship, because we're all in this together. We're all a bunch of nerds. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. You just It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I remember being at events with this guy where we're farming gear together and it was, oh, you're here. Hey, how you doing? How you been? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, I think I saw you with that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You know, and the cat talk catch up. And it's just like one of those things where you just kind of like realize like, fuck. I had my last conversation with him. And now that's that. So anyway, yeah. Thank you, Dartitsia. Dartitsia points out, even with the robots, People wrote the codes. That's for sure. All right. Anyhow, sorry, I, I had to get on a soapbox a little bit there, but it's just, you know, I, again, just that whole thing just led me to thinking about, and maybe this is part of like me reactivating Twitter again. And I had my reasons for doing it. And if you want to see them, go read my Twitter. Cause that's really all I have to say about it. Um, but like, I'm going to be honest. I don't enjoy being on Twitter. <laughs> Not anymore, because when you read it, it's just a bunch of crap and it's people wanting to block, cancel, ruin people, people for whatever their opinion is that's different than theirs, whatever it is. And when was the last time, when in the history of ever was the last time that fuck you, you fucking fuck changed somebody's mind? You know what changed people's mind? Education. And if you can't understand that, then you're part of the problem. Period. End of sentence. Anyway, I need to get off my high horse before I say something that gets me in trouble. Uh, let's see. Uh, Loki, on a little bit more of a lighthearted note, I noticed you changed your background because clearly something yeah. I said set off like a memory thing for no, you. No, this was originally so, what I wanted as my background, but I couldn't think of a way to do it. And then I just figured out a way to do it. Okay, while you're so, so please help me lighten the mood. Let's talk about this. Speaking of AI, talk about this latest phenomenon that is just, it's awkward as hell. It is. It is great. It, it is. So this is nothing forever. It is the, it's an AI generated Seinfeld without being Seinfeld. Um, and it goes on forever. It has AI-generated animation, AI-generated dialogue, AI-generated voices. And it's just, it's just Seinfeld forever. 
Um, and it's 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 silly, and I don't understand why I've watched so much of it this week is beyond me. But it is entertaining because it's so broken, and I love it. And it looks like like especially the Larry, the main character, who's actually you know obviously Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, Larry looks so much like Guybrush Threepwood that <laughs> I think that's what's fascinating as well. And then you have George, who is in this, is Fred. And then I think Yvonne and uh, I can't remember who Kramer's uh, character is called, but um, it, it's just silly and stupid and broken. It's, it's, it's such a time waster, that's for sure. Um, Fifth Dream in chat says something. Sorry to go back to the previous topic, but I need to because Fifth Dream in chat brings up an important point I need to clarify says, uh, nah, fuck you, you fucking fuck is a lot less vile than we want to take away rights, and I'll die on that hill, probably. I want to say something real quick. I didn't say I was talking about anything specific in particular, number one, so I want to make that that very clear. I'm not about to get into any of the variety, the thousands of messes that are going on online, but I will just say, do do not throw rocks when you live in a glass house, that's for sure, because, and again, do not do not make assumptions that you know what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying in general, what I see on social media is that people, here's the thing. It blows my fucking mind that people use Twitter in the first place as that. Are you not aware that there is one person that makes money at Twitter? Are you not aware there is one person? Now, there's no stockholders. There's no board. There's one person at the end of the day that makes money. Do you know that that person makes pronoun jokes? Do you know that that person denies science? Do you know that that person says a variety of problematic things on that platform and nobody cares? Everybody is turning a blind eye to it. I have to turn a blind eye to it because uh, no one else would leave that platform behind. And for my own sanity of being able to promote my own stuff and, you know, use that platform and not have myself be deplatformed, this sort of thing, I had to reactivate. So if you're starting a social justice war on Twitter, I don't know what to tell you. You are willfully turning a blind eye. However, that being said, I do want to, I do want to do this, uh, saying we'll take away rights and I'll die that on the hill. I, I, as, as is understandable as is, but again, if you tell somebody, fuck you, you fucking fuck, they're going to respond negatively in that sort of thing. But if you tell them, Hey, this is why this is a toxic thing. This is why I don't support it. This is what it leads to. You educate them. You let them make the decision. And at the end of the day, you can choose who you hang out with and who you don't. And believe me, over the, believe me, over the years, I've educated many people. And depending on how they respond to that, I've chosen the company I keep from that. So anyway. I just needed to make sure I got it. And I get it. Fifth Dream, and your point is valid. Catharsis, catharsis is a thing. Sure, it is. But unfortunately, it's become like a broken record on a lot of that stuff. So just, just food for thought. I'm sure somebody will come at me on social media, but let me just, let me just tell you, I'm too old <laughs> to really give a fuck about it anymore. I'm just going to say, again, you better examine your own fucking house before you come for mine. Because if you don't, I'll be very happy to point things out for you if you try it. All right. 
Anyhow, let's lighten the mood here a little bit <laughs> and change the topic. Let's change the topic to one of our uh, classic, uh, unfortunate punching bags of the last few years ever since this show has gone downhill a little bit as well. Let's talk about the latest and greatest with the E3 show. Uh, Loki, what do we want to talk about tonight? So E3 is going forward, despite the fact that, you know, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo are not going to be going to E3. It's E3 without the, you know, three. So reminds me of that, that EA sports thing where they have like, it's a E, 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 E. But yes, IGN apparently spoke with, uh, you know, uh, Phil Spencer, and they said it was the timing of its showcase and the convenient for the it's more convenient for the press and even consumers, suggesting that they um, will be held at the same time as E3. Um, Sony hasn't participated in E3 in, since 2018, and Nintendo, um, you know, they also haven't participated in E3 in a very long time. Um, of course, uh, the ESA has come out and addressed the issue. Uh, they have neither confirmed nor denied it. It's probably true then. Um, it's you know, it's a bunch of fluff. I'm trying to like get through the fluff here. Uh, yeah, it, there's really nothing of importance that they say. It's just basically talking about how important E3 is. Except it's not going to be important because no one's going to be there. So. I don't know. This this kind of comes off a lot like E for All back when they did that thing because mm-hmm. most of the people weren't participating. I think actually they had Nintendo at that point, but most studios were not participating. I think Microsoft in that. did that show, not Nintendo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe so they did. I, don't Shit, know. I don't remember. It, it's just, I think it's well, it'd be interesting to see what their turnout is this year. I just think it's grossly unnecessary. Um, but somebody's getting something out of it. I'm sure. I, you know, what's, you know, what's funny. I actually, you know, looking back, I know we all kind of like to joke about E for all. I actually think the industry had a good idea there. I, 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 and, and I know, I know laugh, do your thing. I actually think the industry had a good idea there. The ESA just didn't know how to implement it because they're the ESA. Right, especially how mismanaged the ESA was that time. Look at other conventions that celebrate the gamers that are doing just fine for themselves, such as PAX, you know, for all the criticisms I've lobbied at PAX over the years. They're making money. They're well attended. And now the the people behind PAX are coming in to do E3 to basically turn it into PAX Southwest. That's that's basically what it's going to be at this point. It's, it's just PAX without the name PAX. And... um. Uh, you look at TwitchCon was very, you know, I think well attended and a really good networking opportunity for gamers. And what did the industry love about E3? Being able to be a networking opportunity for industry people, right? I think if they had played E for All smarter, probably the ESA at that time should have let somebody else come in and help them do that. And maybe they did, but if they did, they didn't show it very well. They didn't you know, do a very good job, whatever, you know, we all know how it, how it went, but maybe if they had tried to play into a little bit sooner, the idea of getting influencers, 
networking with other gamers and other you know content creators who existed at the time because i remember our old network all games radio was there with a presence i i wasn't there personally but i know our old network was so there was the concept of content creators podcasters and all that stuff was around and i think if e for all had played their cards better as opposed to oh we're just making e3 but everybody can come to it i think it would have done a lot better yeah and so what am i supposed to think of this new e3 oh Oh, it's it's like E3, but everybody can come to it. Girl, we've been down this road before. With the so at least this time, Reed Pop is doing it. I have my own problems with them based on history with PAX, but that's fine. That's my issue, and I'm sure the the show itself will do okay. But what could be interesting is this whole news. Now, you, have you heard this other rumbling about Microsoft is apparently doing a show the week before? Have you heard that rumbling? I have not. But you know who else just announced that they're doing a show the week before? Jeff Keighley, Summer Game Fest. Now, we don't have anything solid yet, but could it be that Jeff Keighley has done what the ESA don't and created a new trade show that people want to go to? Does Jeff Keighley have that kind of power? I would say yes. Has the ESA flopped that hard from the mismanagement of that company in the mid? I know it has a different leader now than it did in like, I think the last guy was there from like 2008 to like 2014 or something. That guy fucked the ESA. He did not know what he was doing. And that, that, you know, we all know that show lagged behind and so forth. So, so has Jeff Keeley become relevance and a, a speaker for the gaming industry where the ESA has not. Yeah, I think he has. I think Jeff Keighley has single-handedly ended the ESA to some extent. I, I, am I being a little bit overdramatic? Maybe. I, mean, I like, I don't think we really need like an entity that, you know, defends game companies. Especially for all the stuff that they do nowadays. Can I can, like, I, really? can I point something out? That's a great question. What the fuck does the ESA do? Let's go to the source. Let's go to the source. The ESA is where the major players of the video game industry work together to support the bright future of video games, right? We are the video game industry remanaging entertainment for billions of players. So that together, we work to expand the frontiers of what is possible in entertainment. And so forth. And then leaders, but it doesn't really show about, okay, uh, we do a smart advocacy working with Congress and the administration. What? What did you do? To protect the game co- industry, not to protect What did you protect? Gamers. Like, where, where were they, like, with all these predatory practices let's, that people are implementing? No, they're you know for what? it. Yeah, because let's, that's what... let's, let's go to the press room. Let's go to the press room and see. Let's see what kind of ongoing activism the ESA has done. Let's see. Uh, consumer video game spending is high. Okay. Um, that The ESA had nothing to do with that, but okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, all the way back now to September, there has been one story since September, there has been one thing the ESA has triumphed a success that they had nothing to do with since September. Okay. 
Uh, let's see. In September, meet Rashi Sika, Ubisoft's VP of Global Diversity and Inclusion. Cool. I mean, that's that's a great thing to highlight. Awesome. We know Ubisoft had to fucking get dragged through the fucking mud for that to happen. But uh, and, you know, the ESA maybe could have done something to uh, intervene a lot sooner and made that. But OK, OK, we'll, we'll celebrate the success of where they've got. OK. And then we go back to June. So in the last, what is that, six, eight months, the last eight months, the ESA has triumphed two successes, neither of which they've actually played a hand in. Yeah, so like some of the stuff that they do, they say engaged in government lobbying. So they spent $1.1 million, it says lobbying efforts with Washington, D.C., uh it, it they've been a proponent of proposed anti-piracy sopa pippa because those weren't like absolute garbage um they also were pushing to uh is anti-copyright stuff like making sure that you know copyright protection is in place i mean that's good for the industry but it's also like the copyright system in the United States is messed up as it is. And, you know, further meddling in it, I don't think is going to help. But the fact that they were very, you know, pro SOPA and PIPA is just. That's all you need right there. Anyway, what what has the ESA done for this industry? Nothing. Do, do not adjust your radio set. We, we are unable to think of anything. We're, we're thinking. We're th- and it's oh, taking a long time. They're also in favor of loot box mechanics and argue that it doesn't constitute gambling. Anyway, I think I think oh. we've made our point. I, I think we've made our point. To me, this is not about E3 no longer being relevant. E3 lost its relevancy a long time ago because the ESA already killed it. This is about the ESA no longer being relevant. Does that mean the game industry doesn't need, doesn't want something like this? Doesn't want a trade show? Doesn't want somebody to work hard to give the video game industry a professional face, such as through a yearly award show that they've tried very hard to work up into a prestigious event and sort of artistic merit that the industry deserves? Did the ESA do that? Remind me, Loki. Did the ESA do that? No. Who did that? I believe that was Jeff Keeley. <sighs> or there's also the game, the GDC stuff too, but that also wasn't the ESA. Now look, this isn't just about me trying to like eat Jeff Keeley's ass. That's not what I'm trying to do here on this program, okay? But I'm just gonna say, look at the receipts. And now you see that this, you know, latest rumor about Microsoft teaming up with Jeff Keeley for a show the week before that's because somebody produced results. And now the industry is going to follow that somebody. And it's as simple as that. Let's see. Uh, Oh, hi, dark soccer. Who is in chat tonight? Hello. Hello. Uh, Said they had cool t-shirts a few years ago. That was one good thing they did. You're right. They did. They did have a, they had some good t-shirts. They sure did. Um, SSO and Hunter Matt says Reed Pop is throwing a high school party with its parents, ESA, there and only serving Hawaiian punch. Jeff is the cool kid with the cool house and has a keg at his party. That is a very good comparison, actually. <laughs> so we'll just marinate on that for a little bit. All right. Uh, anything else to add on that story? 
No. All right. Well, I, this is something that's going to be continuing to develop. And I would say watch carefully this news about Summer Game Fest. Because, again, we are kind of working on maybes and stuff. But this whole, like, Microsoft's doing a thing the week before. Jeff Keighley's doing a thing the week before. This this is going to add up to where there is smoke, there is fire. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they're, what the show looks like. Like, how many people actually are going to attend. Um and really, like, yeah, the 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 audience, or was it the con- consumer version of the show is only like two days long too. It's not like at least three or four. So, she Hulk ten and oh sorry, she Hulk ten in chat said there should be a Super Bowl of video games, and the studios releases their best video games for the show ready to play. I I certainly do not disagree with that. But who do you think is closer to making that a reality right now? The ESA. Or the brains behind the video, or, uh, the video game awards and summer game fest. Who's closer to that reality? I let the track record speak for itself. Is is the ESA doing anything about the rampant sexual abuse of you know employees and the the hostile workplaces that all these companies that their members, by the way, have? Like Activision Blizzard is a member of the ESA. Are they addressing any of that? Nope. But didn't Jeff Keighley open one of his shows with a pretty big, you know, kind of, I seem to remember he made a very strong worded statement. I mean, which, you know, some people kind of gave him crap for that, but at least he said something. He didn't try to ignore it, right? Didn't he open, I want to say it was the 20, not this, uh, 2021 Game Awards with a pretty, uh, you know, direct statement about what was going on in the industry. I seem to recall that was the thing. So again, I'm really not trying to get in bed with it. I'm just saying when this news comes out, that seems like it's about to come out. This is why. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about our gaming weeks and the types of video games that we have been playing this week, whether someone told us to or not. Uh, Loki, how was your gaming week? Um, I played a few things this week or or two things this week. So I played, uh, you know, Minecraft. I also played played around in youtube analytics world that's been oh my boy. week yeah fun that's a fun stuff event. Uh, uh and then um i also played uh, we we did our first community event for channel 64 so we played um power washing sim we we went through the dlc for uh laura croft because they have the the tomb raider dlc in there so we did the uh, treasure room, which is kind of fun. And then before that, I had actually played with him uh, with Arrington uh, through the mansion front, I guess. I like more power washing sim content, especially since it's free. And that's awesome. Is that it? That's it. I will piggyback on that then, because I also played the Power Washing Sim DLC. I didn't get nearly as far as you did, though, because I was playing by myself. And, you know, even cleaning the front of that mansion is quite the undertaking. When you have to use one of those, like, two-tier ladder things to, to get to certain parts, that was pretty impressive. But it's an impressive piece of DLC, and I'm really excited for um, some of the future stuff they have coming, which I think we'll get to later in the show. Um, so that was fun. I've been oddly playing more Dead by Daylight. Um you know, I know we talk about the game a lot on the show, but uh, the reality is it's it's been a game that um, has brought a lot of hours of entertainment, um, a little less entertainment ever since that night DLC came out. But, you know, they did the worker with the tweaking patch, and I have found that the new indicators have made so because they added 
indicators when you're playing in solo queue that make it a lot easier to see what other um, people are doing. And I have found that I have a much easier time in solo queue with that. So it's kind of energized me to play solo queue again. I've actually worked my way through the first page of the tome. I'm never current on tomes. So that's right. been very interesting um, in Dead by Daylight. So Hey, you said Dead by Daylight. I, I, did I say Dead by Daylight three times in the mirror and summon the entity? Yeah, it's Nia. Because you sound like the entity right now. Hi, Dark Sakura. Hi. I hope you're feeling better. I, uh, I've i been coughing a lot, so that's why I'm not here, because I can't talk long without coughing. Yeah. But but you were bringing up the, um, the HUD changes in DBD, <laughs> and God, they're convenient. Yeah. You can tell who's doing jack shit. Oh, isn't it great? And then, and then, you sandbag them. <laughs> it's been, I hit eerie. I'm, I'm still eerie one, and that's also fun, because I can be a jerk. Yeah. I, um, I actually played a killer game as well, and that did not go well for me. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was fun to try, I guess, because I was like, oh, I got, I've gotten almost every survivor thing in this tome. I should go for some killer ones. And I played a Vami Mommy match because I love playing Plague. Miss Plague is probably my killer main at this point. And uh, it did not go well for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to having to work on her prestige. Um, yeah. I still haven't played Wesker or Knight yet, and mm. it's going to have to happen. Yeah. Um, but I did get two more adepts for oh, killer. I got Doctor and Huntress. Oh, Huntress. That's, like, that's what I I'm suck at, at Huntress. Yeah, same. But I watched, there's a, a guy on YouTube called Mint Skull who talked about the hitbox for characters mm -hmm. and said that if you play Huntress, aim for the butt. Interesting. I aimed for the butt and it worked. Huh. And there's also like certain levels that you can actually throw right at the, like the top of a fence and still hit them through it because of where the hitbox hit is. Oh, interesting. I'll find you the video. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I'll play uh, Huntress anytime soon, but it's interesting. It it helped my game. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I just wanted to stop in and say hi. No, it's it's good to see you. Appreciate it. Um, anything else you want to uh, drop in our ears before you take off? Um, it uh, for anyone who says the pandemic is over, I was in the office for two days. We'll leave it at that. We'll feel better soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll see Bye. you next week. Bye. Later, haters. All right. Um, let's see. So what else am I gaming week? I've also played some more Final Fantasy XIV. I did some streaming of that. I found that I like playing Paladin now. I got my Island Sanctuary to rank 12. I think that actually happened last week, though. I can't remember what I didn't, didn't talk about. So I'll leave it at that. But I will also mention I played Pokemon Go today for quite some time. Uh, I did some walking around, did a lot of Bluetooth catching. I don't know. Does anyone need 17 shiny Noibats? Because I got you. If you need 17 shiny Noibats. I mean, Wait, I, don't know. Rob, I don't need those. I don't know what I'm going to do with that many. And I, honestly, probably uh, Shane probably got twice as many. I haven't checked in with him. I should text him when, you, when you're talking next so I can find out. But, um, I, I, you know, Noibat's kind of a niche Pokemon. The only reason this Community Day is a big deal is because he takes he's super rare in Pokemon Go and he takes 400 candies to evolve. So this is one that, you know, is... Uh, um, a lot harder to get pod culture says, send me one. I didn't get any. As soon as they implement long dis distance trading, I'm happy to, or if you're coming to dragon con this year or whatever, wherever I see you next, I'm happy to give you one. Yes. So, um, yeah, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna send these guys to the shredder either just cause they're shiny. I'll just hang on to it. I guess. 
Fifth Dream does say one of my very favorites. Yeah, it is a cool Pokemon. But yeah, I walked five miles and caught 17 shinies over Bluetooth. So I'm I'm pretty proud of myself. What can I say? So that's pretty much it for my gaming week. So we will move on. Let me get into just some quick housekeeping. Uh, we will be here next week. I know there is a Rihanna concert on TV and some folks will be playing a football game around that. Um, but that's never stopped us in the past. So we'll be here next week when you're all ready to come in and join us. Or of course, you can always listen through the podcast feed that week. So uh, you can check that out next week. We will be here. Bobby will not be though. So if you tune in early expecting to hear Bobby, uh, just he will be off because that is a that is a friend Friendsgiving too kind of day for Bobby. So uh, he, he takes that day off. We will not be here on February 26th. I've been pretty open that I'm going on vacation and won't be here that week. So um, they're just not going to be a show that week uh, while my co-hosts enjoy a well-deserved week off. So um, also I want to say just quickly here, uh, because I noticed this in our Discord over at vognetwork.com slash Discord, because of course you can join that and chat with us throughout the week. Uh, and that actually is the only place now you're going to get updates when we go live and so forth, because I don't know if you heard, but the Twitter API is getting yanked, uh, or at least the free one. And let's be real, we're not paying $100 a month to advertise our show. We don't, I mean, you guys are very generous with the bits and subs. We appreciate you, but we're not making that kind of money to pay for that. We'd rather pay for like the legal fees to keep us, you know, a legit business and so forth. Um, so, um, yeah, we're not paying that API fee to just advertise when we go live in the podcast. So if you want to see that kind of thing, join our discord, vognetwork.com slash discord. Uh, and if you want, you can opt out of whatever chat, cause we don't use the at announce thing. I know a lot of discords use that. We made a choice not to, cause we, we sometimes find that really annoying. Um, and if you want put notifications on a channel, you can turn it on. So, uh, but you can check that out or mute a channel you don't like, uh, check that out. But what I did see on discord was that it's tiger claws birthday today and tiger claws turning 50. It's a big day. It's a big, big day. So I just want to take a moment to say, because Tiger Claw has been with us for a long time. You know, he started listening to OLR pretty rare. I, I don't know if Tiger Claw's missed a week since we started over at All Games Radio, which was 2008, six. I, I don't remember, y'all. No, it was around the time of the 2006, I think was when we started on All Games Radio. So Tiger Claw has been with us pretty, pretty much ever since then, every week. So I just want to say thanks for being here, Tiger Claw. And congratulations. Uh, yeah, he even says in chat, uh, yeah, 50 is a big number, but I still feel the same. Yep. I, you know what? That's how I felt about turning 40. You know, it's not that much different than, thir than 39. It really isn't. So, uh, and no one special clarifies all games was 2006. I'm glad y'all's brains work when mine doesn't because mine sure doesn't. So that's, that's that. All right. Anyway, happy birthday, Tiger Claw. All right. Let's get into some gaming news at this point, and I will start off. There's actually, especially since last week, like nothing happened, it seemed like. I mean, some things happened, but hardly anything. This week feels like the floodgates unleashed. We had a lot going on this week, so let's yeah, get into a it. A little bit. More of the same, though, unfortunately. So more announcements of cancellations. So we have... Um, you know, announcements that Apex Le Apex Legends Mobile is shutting down. Um, you know, that apparently was only live for about eight months, and then Battlefield Mobile has been canceled. So they announced that it will be shutting down Apex Legends Mobile on May first, twenty twenty three. So you got a few months left uh, to play that. And um, also, we've got uh, so basically they 
you know, Respawn had made a, you know, one of the um, pictures of texts on Twitter saying the decision does not come with ease. Factors beyond our control, EA, probably, um, have prevented us from maintaining the high-quality experience and content that our players deserve. As a result, the game will sunset on May 1st, 2023. Um, and then, pissing off everybody, uh, we got word that EA has canceled a joint Apex Legends and Titanfall single-player spin-off game. That's a bummer. Why do you hate us like this? <laughs> like, why? Like, Titanfall is so amazing. Like, honestly. Yeah, I'm. Well, that seemed like a prime opportunity. I'm. I'm really surprised to hear that. I mean, if the game wasn't up to par, then this is probably because, right? As my, and yeah, Questbuster says that cancellation news hurt. Which would hurt worse, this news or that game coming out and it being hot garbage, riddled with transactions and so forth? Which would hurt worse? I mean, the second, right? So, yeah. I mean, if it if it really truly was bad, then maybe it's for the best. But I hope that idea doesn't go away, because I think a lot of us would like to see a team up of those two games for sure. Yeah. So apparently, according to Bloomberg, it says the team that was work a uh, team of fifty developers who were working on it uh, were informed on Tuesday that the project had been cut, and the company would look for other positions to move the impacted staff without. Um, and anyone without a new position would be laid off. Thank you, EA. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that. I think a lot of people would. All right. Sorry, I'm I'm texting Shane to get the update. I had one more follow-up question, and then I'm... Uh, the answer is too many. It's uh, yeah, always yeah, it going to sure be too is, many. But I'm, I'm asking Just a follow-up Think of question. an amount that's too much, and then add, like, 30 more on top of that. It is too many. All right. Uh, well, you know, uh, we haven't had too many years of the Xbox 360 being uh, active, because uh, we still are lucky to have the Xbox 360 store going on. Um, but... There's some interesting signs and tea leaves going on. For one, 46 games are going to be delisted from the Xbox 360 marketplace on February 7th. So for those of you listening live, and if you're on the podcast on Monday, today may be your last chance to get these games on the 360. I want to stress, you can still get games on the Xbox One or the Xbox Series consoles. But these games will no longer be purchasable. I'm not going to read the entire list, but there are some highlights, including Blue Dragon, Daytona USA. You know, I got to call that one out. Final Fight Double Impact, uh, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, Lost Odyssey, Pagel 2, that's a big deal, uh, and so on. The Orange Box. So, you know, the, you can no longer get those games on an Xbox 360 after February 7th. So this led to the thought, you know, we've said goodbye to the Wii storefront. And I think they threatened to pull the PS3 storefront, although I don't know if they ever did. But pretty much the same platform. Well, they did certainly with the PSP and the PS Vita, right? Which, you know, are all things around the same age as the Xbox 360. So this led to the question of, is the Xbox 360 marketplace just going down? And it didn't help that apparently a Reddit user found an Xbox 360 support page that said, we encourage you to purchase any 360 games or DLC by May 2023. But 
Microsoft has been quick to clarify that was a mistake. Uh oh, that's a oddly that's an that oddly like specific the, mistake to make, don't you think? That sounds like one of those. Was it Netflix mistakes? And I think there's <laughs> another company that did the same thing. Yeah, oh, man, people just making all sorts of mistakes this year when Here's it comes to like, policies I, that people don't like. I'm going to give Microsoft a little bit of credit here, okay? Because the Netflix thing that was just a fucking mistake. There's no, there's no right, you know, there's no easy way to say that Microsoft at least to its credit has done the best they can to date with backwards compatibility. I understand some things like DDR and some other things with licenses and other, you know, games with, you know, companies that maybe are not around anymore and so on and so forth. There are games people still want to be backwards compatible that are not. And there will be games that sunset as a result of whenever the 360 marketplace closes. But it's not like you can't go on to the Xbox Series X store and download Lost Odyssey and still play it. And quite frankly, I thank Microsoft for reversing their stance that they had had under Don Matrick with backwards compatibility. Because remember, they they didn't have backwards compatibility at first. That was added later when everybody was like, fuck you, you fuck, you fuck, <laughs> and didn't buy an Xbox One. Basically, well, they, let, they, let, they voted with their dollars. That's the more important thing. Uh, and then they turned around and announced the backwards compatibility and have stuck pretty good with that. So I will give Microsoft that. And I think we all know the 360 storefront on a 360's time is probably limited. So even though Microsoft denied it and said it's not shutting down this May, this message was posted in error. However, what's not a rumor, those other 46 games are being removed February 7th. So if if you are somebody that's been waiting a while to pick up a certain 360 game that's only playable on 360, especially if it's one of these 46 titles, you probably want to get on that or you're going to be forced to look for the game on disc somewhere and hopefully not pay $120 for it. Like it's a copy of Wind Waker. Exactly. So, cause you know, now, now the real, you know, retro market on this stuff begins once they're no longer available digitally. That's for sure. I want to point out something dark Tetsuya brought my attention to as well is that apparently there are ways to also still download some games. So for example, uh, there was this tweet written by this uh, user. Oh, poor pup uh, that says, if you don't own the Xbox 360 release of Daytona USA, which I know is the game you all care about, right? Daytona USA, but I'm assuming this works for other games too. That is my top priority, uh, which is still backwards compatible. They're going to delist it on February 7th. The game is already unpurchasable on those storefronts but you can still buy it on the website so you can go to marketplace.xbox.com for ten dollars so you can go get it there so when in doubt use the website but that's really only going to work like today and tomorrow and then those those are going to be as good as gone pretty much and this is exactly how dr tsuya says he got daytona was through this so all right before we get to our next story uh i i uh i texted shane and i said olr listeners want to know how many shinies today doesn't show the phone number right okay no how many shinies today and look at that played only for one hour with 31 shiny noibat and one random heleptile or whatever that one's called and i said what are you going to do with 31 shiny noibats have them sit in my box (laughs) 
and no four stars or four stars at all. Which I I didn't get any four stars, but I got a really good three star that's shiny. That's only I think is a like a 15, 14, 14, I think. So I was very happy with that one. I actually evolved it. So um, I don't usually and I you know what that that is worth mentioning because I don't usually have shiny luck, to be quite honest. But yeah, I caught this one today. So it's it's got a pretty. Oh, no, it's I'm sorry. It's 15, 15, 13. So that's pretty good. Uh, and there it is shiny. So because I already evolved it. So that's that's my prize catch of the day, even though it's not particularly a useful Pokemon in the meta, but it's cool to have whatever. I'll take it. I got a lot of XL candy today and all that. So maybe that'll be one that I end up uh, leveling up all the way just because I can. We'll see. All right, let's go to our next story. Uh, Loki. All right. So in, in the quest for Square Enix to continually milk Final Fantasy VII, they have now, you know, dedicated a day of the year to Final Fantasy VII, the Final Fantasy VII Day on January 31st. Um, so what did they do for the 26th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII? They announced some things. Um, first off, the Final Fantasy VII Day, so that we can expect things in the future to forever cover Final Fantasy VII. Uh, there are some new playlists on Spotify that you can get for Cloud and Sephiroth. So, uh, music there, I guess. Um, my most interested thing is Power Wash Simulator Crossover DLC. Heck yeah. Um, they're going to be doing some stuff with that, including it's the Midgar Special Pack. And um, haven't really said too much about what's going to be included with it, but I am excited about that. Um so that's cool. And then they're going to do a small Lego collab as well. Now, this isn't like a Lego set coming out because I'd be really excited about that. But no, instead, this is more of they're going to take one of four classic scenes that they're having fans vote on right now. And then they're going to build it out of Lego and I think give it away to somebody at some point. Um, one of those being the Honey Bee Inn. So, you know you know what you need the boat for, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess, um, along with that, um, no announcements of games, <laughs> but, uh, need about the other so stuff. No rebirth trailer. You got to wait for Jeff Keeley fest to see the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing there. Um, so I, I am very curious to see, uh, the power wash sim stuff. And I don't know, it says coming soon. It didn't say when, um, but it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, also in the Final Fantasy worlds and something else I did with my gaming week, but I left it out because I knew we were going to be talking about it here. But that is that we actually got a demo for Theatrhythm. Uh, you know, Theatrhythm Final Bar Line is actually going to be coming out very soon. It's out in a couple weeks. But there was actually a live stream that happened this week. And as part of the live stream, they also released a demo. Uh, so the demo is is pretty darn robust, I've got to say, uh, and uh, came out this week. And I did play the demo, uh, which has something like 30 songs in it. And um, you can play it at various difficulty levels. It does cap how much you can earn, but it really shows how much they intend to let people grind in this game. You know, it's not a Final Fantasy game if you can't grind out some levels. And Theatrhythm's really going to be no different. 
So the demo is uh, really good, and it feels good to play on a controller. I thought it was going to be a little weird with the whole like up and down because there's certain stages where you move the reticle up and down depending on where the line is and so forth. But do you know what I learned? I learned a little I don't want to call it a cheat because it's not really a cheat, but it's a did you know it doesn't matter how far up and how far down you push the um, joystick. Just as long as when the little dots that indicate a transition or a note hit, you are facing the uh, the D-pad the same way that the path is about to go. So meaning if you see a dot and the path is about to go up, you push up when the dot comes up and you hold it and it'll match. So you don't have to actually vary the strength. So that was something I found to be a little different uh, on that. That could be because I was playing on basic difficulty, but I don't think that changes. I'm sure someone in chat will correct me if I'm wrong on that. So uh, yeah, Mike Dev says it was really sensitive in the 3DS version. Yeah, so I like that change too. I'm assuming it is that way even for the hard songs. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Theater Rhythm. And the interesting thing about Theater Rhythm, it's not just going to be Final Fantasy songs. Uh, some of the details that were confirmed, a season pass for the game with Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross tracks. I don't see how the fuck you announce car- Chrono Cross tracks and not have Scars of Time, which is one of the best video game songs has ever been written. So that alone is going to be worth it to some people. Like, you don't you don't even say Chrono Cross music without that song. Like, if that song is not there, get out. Get out. Although it does it does list a song list and I don't see it. Oh no. Chrono cross scars of time. There it is. It's season pass tracks. Good. I was about ready to lose my mind. So, um, but there's some cool stuff from Chrono trigger there as well. Uh, like Robo's theme and, you know, boss battle frog scene theme and all that stuff is there as well. So that's, um, that's pretty cool, but yeah, I'm excited for the full version. I'm going to drop a hundred dollars on it. I'm going to, but that's because they've got like 300 tracks. I love music. games. I love final fantasy. This is a game for me. It probably is more. That's that's like all I can. It's like 500 tracks or it's, something it's like that. A, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. And I'm going to play them all. And I'll probably stream them. The nice thing is, too, it's it's safe to stream. It's all in-house music by Square Enix. Um, so it will work for streaming, too. So I'm really excited about that. DJ Rama S says, we need the Rad Racer theme as a hidden unlock. That would be so amazing. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'd love that. That would be cool. Uh, Red Entertainment says, hi, it's Rob. Rob's the problem. It's Rob. Yeah, it is. Um, that's fine. But you know what? They, they, they act, they did something a lot of demos have failed to do lately. They put out a demo that made me excited for the retail release of the game. Did Nino Kuni do that? Did Forspoken do that? Same company even. Not really. Not, not to most of the people I talk to. So Theatrhythm did that rare thing where they came out with a demo that actually makes me really want to play the full game and realize, yes, I can dump that kind of money on the game and it'll be okay for me because I love Final Fantasy and music games. So, all right, let's move on. Loki. All right. Uh, So this is unfortunate news for people like me who are not super thin about the (laughs) Super Nintendo world at Universal Studios Hollywood. Apparently, if you have over if you have over a forty inch waistline, thankfully I think I'm only forty. Um, or oh, forty inches or larger, you may not ride the ride. No, no Mario Kart Bowser's challenge for you. It's only for skinny people. Um, which people are getting upset about it because I don't think that I I understand like size limitations for different things and stuff like that. I wouldn't consider myself morbidly obese, 
sure, I would love to lose some weight, but like I'm not like I can't fit in seats. <laughs> like that's never been an issue. Um but apparently, yeah, it, it, they are not letting people on the ride. They even have like a, a like a test seat, much like you would like with the uh, height limit and stuff like that, that they see if you fit into. And if you don't hit that size restriction, then you can't go on the ride. And I just, I just want to confirm, this is the U.S. one and not the Japan one, which you know, I just the reality is, the you know there aren't as many people that are larger it, that go to d- the Japanese, you know, one it's, it's true. Look at Disney sea, look at, you know, it's just, that's how it's built. So this is the U S one that this restriction is on. Correct. It wow. is Hollywood. And apparently though, this isn't necessarily a new thing, uh, allegedly, because they have uh, similar, uh, physical requirements, um, requirements for like different rides. So like play the hippogriff, Harry Potter and the forbidden journey, Revenge of the Mummy, The Ride, Secret Life of Pets, Off the Leash all have that same restriction. Hmm. I don't know. That it's I it's don't remember, interesting. I rode all those right. I mean, I would say 38 was as you know, when but but I'm you know, I'm tall and built different, you know, whatever. But I I mean, I don't remember those bars fitting really tight or whatever, considering that is at the upper end of the limitations. I don't remember those bars fitting particularly tight at that time. So there, that's weird. There's only, yeah, the only ride that I've been on recently that fit really tight on me was the, the local, like, kitty uh, theme park that's nearby that has, like, a roller coaster meant for, like, kids, the dragon roller coaster. Like, that thing, not meant for adults even, really, but, like, that was the only thing but that was, like, with the kids, really, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was uncomfortably tight. I only did it once. I was like, okay. I'm done. You know, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Um. That was about it. Like, and and that clearly is not meant for adults. I mean, like you look at it and you're like, okay, like that makes sense. Uh, a a ride, a theme park like this, it doesn't make sense. And it's also, I feel like somewhat unwelcoming. I get it. Like you know, you can't accommodate literally every size of person mm-hmm. in in there. But like. I, I still think, like, considering, like, the state of the United States and everything like that, like, that's yeah, still a weird place to cut it off. Surprising. Well, and that, you know, and think about the, you know, there's a lot of people in chat saying, well, guess I'm not going. I hope Universal clarifies, you know, the ride restrictions. And, and so, I mean, what, or if this well, is really what they're saying that they're working on retrofitting some of the other rides, too, to accommodate people of different sizes. Like, I don't understand, like. And well, here's the thing, like with that one, like what looks different. So like, for example, if you go to like Disneyland and you ride either like, say the, um, like actually any of the rides or something, not in credit coaster, but like I was thinking more along the lines of something similar to this. So, um, Toy Story Mania, if you ride the Buzz Lightyear ride, if you do the, um, I haven't ridden on it yet, but the the Spider-Man one, Mm -hmm. the way they're set up there is they have, yeah, the steering wheel and everything, um, but they also have, it's just a bench. So, like, it it can accommodate, like, okay, if if you're an adult that is maybe a little bit, you know, overweight or whatever, you can put your kid next to you or something like that. Like, obviously, they don't need as much space. And so, and they just have a bar that goes down. Whereas this ride, each individual spot has its own, like, harness and stuff, which, I mean, you really don't need a harness like that for this type of ride. It's not not moving all that fast. It, It is basically like a Toy Story Mania type thing. Um, It's just, it's set up really stupid, but... 
I, I will what just if? say one thing I learned about Disneyland and size on rides. When you are standing in line for the Haunted Mansion and, the, and the, the voice says, remember, no more than three to a buggy. They do not mean three adults because I got in there with two other adults and we were all, you know, I was I was probably at my largest then and we were all around the same size. Wow. <laughs> I was practically sitting on their laps. <laughs> Yeah. So like, I mean, honestly, like that's the thing is like universal. It's it's a stretch for me even to want to go there in the first place. I would check it out. I wasn't all that excited about Super Nintendo uh, World anyways, because just the ride didn't look that great. And the Yoshi ride is like meant for really little kids. So it's like eh, there was not much for me to go see there. Yeah. It's and I don't cool. want to see it when there's a million people there. And that's how it's going right. to be for the first few months especially into summer so yeah but yeah i would be very disappointed like if i went and they're like yeah i'm sorry you can't go on the ride you're too you're too big and be like fuck you know like i I think you need my money back well that that could be a really embarrassing thing for people too like i i remember years and years ago i went to great america which was the local um you know theme park in the bay area and I went with my girlfriend at the time to tell you how long ago this was. And she was, you know, a larger gal. Um, and we tried to ride, I think the demon it was, which is, you know, a longstanding roller coaster. And um, she was not able to fit in the seat um, because of her size. And it was a very scarring incident for her. And she was crying. She was sad. It, it ruined her whole damn day. Um, you know, that could, you know, and, and imagine you're really excited about Super Nintendo World and you want to go and you get there and you find this out like that's that can be and i yeah and i don't want to draw stereotypes about gamers but let's just you know gamers aren't always the most fit people in the world so like americans too to be honest and americans you added on top of it but like you know if you're talking about like venn diagrams and stuff like that and then you're talking about like you know something that's going to attract like the gamer crowd like i mean just have some common sense japan like I'm blaming Nintendo here because I feel like I feel like this is just coming based off of what their design was in um, Japan. That's where my brain was going at first with this whole thing. I don't know. It's just whatever. I mean, I'm probably not going to go see this thing in like forever. Yeah. Maybe by the time I get there, I'll have lost weight. (laughs) We can only cross our fingers. Yeah uh mission chat says they should fix it and i hope they do because some people such as myself it could trigger body dysmorphia absolutely that's and that's what it was that's what i experienced you know with my ex-girlfriend that particular day was you know absolutely now you hey everybody listening to this and that reads this story that's going around now we all know we better check those ride restrictions before we go to the park and put ourselves in that situation you know what have you like so that we know but yeah, this is, you know, that's, I, there's going to be a lot of people that don't do that and it's going to not be pretty for universal. So it's just be, be interesting. So, but yeah, check, check the restrictions and check the updates from universal, uh, especially when that officially opens, I imagine they'll have all the ride restrictions actually posted online and, you know, things still are so there, they could have something that maybe they're going to use to extend some of the seat, you know, cause there are things they can do. Um, I've seen them do at Disney and stuff like that to um, accommodate different, you know, uh, shapes and sizes. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think the book is completely closed on this yet, but uh, I think we all know now if we're concerned, this could be an issue. We better check so that we don't get ourselves in a, a, a situation that, you know, 
really upsets us that you know being there at the park which is supposed to be a happy place right mm-hmm. all right uh moving on uh this is some good news it makes a lot of people happy and that is uh the latest playstation 5 beta update uh will add discord voice chat integrated into playstation we knew this has been coming for a little bit um but uh and there was some light discord integration on playstation 5s uh last year early uh now voice chats there so if you are a ps5 tester in the us canada or japan you can join a discard uh discard discord call uh by the way i don't know if you knew but this is already available on xbox and microsoft uh xbox you know one and series x but sony can get it on the uh, fun too which means you can talk to someone on an xbox through your playstation oh my god the blasphemy i know i know dogs and cats living together mass hysteria uh also included with this update a variable refresh rate for 1440p also some dashboard ux improvements and so forth um they're saying discord integration is still a little bit clunky you have to link your psn account to discord then select discord and linked services and then you can complete the integration using a qr code or the integrated browser within the ps5 but every time you want to use discord you have to use the mobile device to transfer your conversation so that's a little weird still but um it's all still being ironed out and it's in beta so maybe it won't be this bad uh once it gets rolling there but we'll see we'll see how that goes could be interesting yeah i kind of agree with bonds too many steps so uh and did your mama s wants to point out you can do group group voice chats but not one-on-one voice chats so but you could call olr through your playstation now just like you can xbox because we take calls in the uh, green room channel at our vog network discord uh uh vognetwork.com slash i almost forgot the url vognetwork.com slash discord if you want to call in and maybe we'll get a call from a ps5 uh later or or next week or something so um but i think that's pretty cool you know a lot of people are on discord uh i just like that whole idea that playstation people can talk to xbox people and especially with games now being cross-platform more and more i think that's pretty cool so all right also pretty cool a segment we do here every week a simpler time from when you would you would never have imagined cross-platform play back in this day let's uh let's cue the bumper Now it's time to travel back to a simpler time, where I'll dive into the vault and pull out a classic and tell you about it. It's time for the classic game of the week. But on tonight's episode, the role of Dark Sakura during the classic game of the week will be filled by Loki, who has picked tonight's game. So Loki, what is the classic game of the week? Classic game of the week is Pepsi Man, because I'm not going to ever take this assignment seriously. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a good one. Though. I could see, I could absolutely see Jamie picking this at some point. No, it, it is. A, it's an excellent game that was, you know, I had never actually played this, but it's always been a, a favorite of mine to watch during, you know, awesome games done quick or something like that. Uh, Pepsi Man is an action game published by Kid for the PlayStation, and it was released in Japan on March 4th, 1999. And it has a... Japanese superhero mascot for Pepsi. And it focuses on the player avoiding obstacles, running, dashing, and jumping, while Pepsi Man automatically runs forward through each of the game stages. It's kind of like a Crash Bandicoot type game. And um, yeah, it's uh, apparently a very low budget. <laughs> and uh, you don't it say. Featured, it featured very uh, 
3D cutscenes, um, as well as like this weird like live action like uh, video cutscenes as well. They were kind of strange. Uh, Pepsi Man is uh, consists of four stages, each divided into smaller segments, each involving the superhero Pepsi Man saving a person who is dehydrated, <laughs> such as a military man in the middle of the desert, um, by giving him a can of Pepsi. The first three stages are based on real locations, San Francisco, New York, and Texas. And the last one takes place in the unfortunately not real Pepsi City. Uh, the game is played in a third-person perspective with Pepsi Man automatically running forward through the stages, sometimes running through homes and other buildings, uh, taking control of Pepsi Man himself, aiming to dodge obstacles and such is what the player does. And then, um, of course, there's different Pepsi-branded obstacles, including a Pepsi truck. And the player, uh, you know, basically gains points by collecting Pepsi cans. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. And the theme song just will get stuck in yeah, your head. Yeah, and it, if, you, if you can hear it, because we're playing it here, I know Loki doesn't hear it on the, the local, but um, uh, for on the podcast, you can probably hear it as the, it, it's literally the same, like, four notes over and over. Pepsi Man! Pepsi Man! Pepsi <laughs> Man! <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, look, we got a little end of stage jingle in there, too. That's very nice. All right, anyway. But yeah, so that's what I had for uh, Classic Game of the Week. Um, never came out over here. Oh, let's talk about reviews, why. actually. Oh. Famitsu uh, gave it a 25 out of 40. Game Fan, 9 out of 10. Because, you know, it's worth it. Uh, Gamers Republic, a B-. Planet PlayStation, 88 out of 100. Joypad, did not feel the same, 2 out of 10. <laughs> so, um, I was going to say, for the yeah. most part, those are some pretty respectable scores. That's at least up there with Sneak King. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how this game came to be. Uh, let's see here. Basically, uh, the Pepsi Man is based around Pepsi's mascot of the same name, which was created for Pepsi's Japanese branch. Uh, the character whose fictional backstory says he used to be a scientist who transformed into a superhero after coming into contact with Holy Pepsi. Just featured in Japanese Pepsi commercials and in the Japanese version of the video game Fighting Vipers. Oh, crossover. Um, they also had related characters such as Lemon Pepsi Man and Pepsi Woman. There's a whole Pepsi verse, I guess. <laughs> the and Pepsi, Pepsi multiverse. Pepsi Perfect. decided to promote this video game character. I'm going to tell you right now Pepsi, you want free advice? Pepsi Man needs to come to the States. Yeah, heck yeah! Of, put him in front of put him in front of the Super Bowl audience. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a hit. Exactly. And they had a sound. Do you think it's going to do any worse than Yaris? I don't think so. What did he do? He like flicked his hand, and you suddenly saw carbonation, and then it went away. <laughs> I I love this though right here. It says uh, in, in 2019. So the game was featured in um, you know the Angry Video Game Nerd, um, and then also. The soundtrack has received a vinyl release in 2020. That's right. You can get you can get Pepsi Man on vinyl. You can oh, mix boy. it in your mix it in your DJ sets. Oh no! Now he's running away from a giant can of Pepsi. You know, somebody in chat had brought up because this was an endless runner. Bonds 006 said, "So Temple Run before Temple Run." I mean, kind, kind of. of. I mean, the the concept of an endless runner is isn't particularly new. Like Pepsi Man certainly didn't invent that. Like there, if you think about it, there's games on the Atari 2600 where stages are generated and generally, you know, something like I don't know, 
stampede maybe comes to mind where like you could you could you're constantly running in one direction doing the objective you know that concept's been around for a while but the look and feel yeah is kind of temple runny yeah but i think the crash bandicoot's a very good uh um analogy as well because that game was very big on uh playstation as well so <laughs> the game is so ridiculous yeah it's great i love it all right thank you the classic game of the week pepsi man Good job, Loki, filling in for Dark Sakura tonight. I feel like I always pick the game, so I want to make sure you get you get one in once in a while. So, all right, cool, cool. All right, oh yeah, Questbuster says the Pepsification of 3D World Runner, another good example of an endless runner on a much earlier uh, console. Good, good. All right, uh, we have a few more stories for you, but uh, we will uh, welcome your phone calls if anyone wants to call in tonight. We'll get there maybe in about 15 minutes after some of these other segments here over at vognetwork.com slash discord. But we still have some stories for you, including some quick stories here in rapid fire news. Loki. Yes. So here's uh, an interesting thing. We were talking about uh, Final Fantasy and Lego stuff earlier and that they're not going to make a set. Well, that's unfortunate. But there apparently is a set that's leaked out for... Uh, the Legend of Zelda. So they have a p- images or promotional images that you can see of the Legend of Zelda uh, Deku playset, and it, of course uh, features uh, the Deku tree, and it looks um, pretty cool with a uh, mini fig Zelda or Link. I think Zelda. Actually, I don't know which characters in there. I see Link, and then. I think there are two different forms of Link. I I can tell, like, the one in the blue is, like, Breath of the Wild Link, and then the one in green is probably your more classic uh, Link. Oh, that makes sense, because, of course, it's been in multiple games. So, you know, that makes sense that it would be like that. Yeah. Um, Still very cool, though. Uh, I I am curious to see what else they're going to have coming out with it. Ooh, the X-Mansion. Ooh, that'd be cool. Um... So, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and hear more about that. I know that several different Zelda-themed sets have gone through as part of that whole, um, uh, the, like, uh, consumer design sets. They've gone through that whole process, uh, but never quite have been voted in. Uh, So I'm curious to see if this actually, well, I mean, obviously, it looks like it's going to be a set. Just curious to see when. But I hope we get more Zelda sets, because that'd be amazing. And then uh, we've got news regarding the um, Nintendo, was it Nintendo Switch Online GoldenEye? Um, so yeah, I, I meant to play those this week on the, because, um, you know, it's on Xbox too for Rare Replay, basically, and I just didn't get around to it. Yeah, so Although apparently people are experiencing those games. Pe- people have been doing some uh, digging through the, the data and the source code data for the Nintendo Switch Online release. And they found that uh, some that they've removed the unused data for Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and Timothy Dalton. Apparently, they had originally had plans to have them in GoldenEye 007, but they weren't actually in the game. And then I think the data was in the old original version, but now they've actually removed it, uh, the character models from there. So, yeah, neat, I guess. It's always interesting when you see them update the old games, especially in ways that are, like, not obvious. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, some other quick news. Konami delisting a game from Steam on February 27th. The game is Crime Sight. I'm going to be honest. I never heard of this game, which is probably part of the problem. It is an online multiplayer only game. So once the game is delisted and the online servers shut down on May 1st, the game will no longer be playable. In a statement from Konami, they thanked players for playing Crime Site, but uh, said basically, uh, even though the services continue to operate with the support of many users since April 2022, this is less than a year old, but due to various circumstances is the official like reason. People not knowing what the game is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For example, not knowing what the hell this is. Somebody in chat can maybe fill me in. I literally had never heard of this. Uh, you know where this goes. The servers are getting pulled. It's done. Although the time left until the end of the service is limited, we hope you will enjoy it to the end. No word about refunds or any of that sort of thing. Um, Quest, but, or excuse me, Orange Right. One of the people I, I would have thought would know more about the game. No, not, not a call out, but he just, just backing me up saying, I guess nobody saw it. I think it was like Anime Clue. Well, the name kind of does sort of sound like that, doesn't it? So hmm. anyway, in other news, uh, this is a pretty good deal in 2019. It was Nintendo's bargain game vouchers. You spend $100 basically to buy two vouchers. These vouchers you spend on or you cash in whatever for $60 games. But be careful because not all of them are $60. So know what you're getting. But if you're smart about how you spend these you can save $10 on each. So you could actually get a voucher now and use it on Tears of the Kingdom when it's released and you would save $10. So this is only available to Switch Online subscribers. Um, it is a limited catalog, which I'm going to assume is probably mostly first party, but you go in and look at the details. And you also have to use them within a year. You can't hold them forever. You also cannot buy more than eight you do still get my Nintendo Gold Points equivalent to 5% of what you pay. So, um, yeah, it's just a little perk for Switch Online users. But if you know you're going to be buying The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and, like, one other game this year, then it's probably a good deal if you have the money to drop on it right now. So, check that out. All right, well, maybe some hints of uh, games you could be buying soon. Let's travel around the world and check out some release dates. We'll start with the U.S. and what's coming out this week. Loki? Yep, uh, not a whole lot of stuff coming out this week. Um, we've got, looks like, uh, Mercenaries, Lament, Silver Wolf, and the Seven Stars of the Maiden. A really long name. Uh, that's for Nintendo Switch. And, of course, Hogwarts Legacy finally making its way out on PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series. All right. That's, that's it. Let's go over to the Nintendo Switch and check out the releases there. Uh, uh, actually, I don't really see a lot of games this week because we have Tales of Symphonia remastered on the 16th. But this week, we just have some additional wired controllers that are coming out. I don't even know if these are official, but they're FIFA branded. So I guess that's cool if you're into that. But yeah, that's it on the Switch this week. On the they only work for one year, though. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, that's funny. Okay, I see what you do with that. Uh, on the PlayStation 5, uh, if you feel like it, Hogwarts Legacy is coming out in Japan. Um, just to be clear, I'm not picking that game up. Um, I don't care for J.K. Rowling and her comments. You know, that is what it is. Um, I understand there may be people out there that had Harry Potter for them 
maybe when they were in a dark period in their life. And, you know, again, like I said earlier in the show, I don't know other people's lives. So who am I to judge, I guess? But I am just going to say, I'm not buying it. And this is the reason I'm not buying it, to be very clear. That's it. All right. Uh, But also coming out on the PlayStation 5, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. I probably would buy this. The complete edition is coming out in Japan. I would buy it if it wasn't on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, so that is something you could look forward to in Japan as well. Uh, that appears, I guess, a Wizard Boy is kind of the big release uh, in Japan as well, because there's really nothing, nobody wanted to compete against it. So that's uh, that's really it. But we get some big releases next week, including Theatridum in Japan, as well as the rest of the world. So that's exciting. Meanwhile, how about the UK, Loki? The UK is pretty much the same story. So we have Hogwarts Legacy coming out there as well. PC, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series. And then they're also getting the Five Nights at Freddy's security breach on Xbox Series. And that's it. All right. We have just a few more stories for you. And then we're going to get to our roundtable via chat and Discord and the mailbag with participate at orangeloungeradio.com. But first, we have some stories for you. Uh, Loki. Yes, I really like hearing more of these stories about games being reverse engineered and then basically um, getting it down to source and allowing them to be able to put be put on to other consoles or, in this case, PC. And now that's been done with Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. So somebody has uh, found a way to reverse engineer the game down to its code, and they have a PC port that you can do that if you have a ROM of the game. And, of course, it has lots of different support for graphical tweaks. Um, You can even um, do widescreen support with it as well. And it runs great. So, uh, pretty cool to see it. I'll check that out. Yeah, and you know what that means. Mods, mods, mods. (laughs) There's already been tons of mods and that stuff. But, yeah, yeah, even more so. Even more now, though. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah, and then... um, Apparently, and this is going to be a surprise to no one, Facebook's VR division, not doing so great. Um, Apparently, they've lost $13.72 billion in 2022. I guess that's investing in meta, you know, and working on Horizon Worlds and stuff like that. Uh, How long is this going to go for? I don't know. But, um, you know, of course, let's kind of go over what happened last year. So, you know... Meta's Reality Lab, uh, they only brought in $727 million um, in the closing months of 2022. That's 17% down from the revenue from the same period in 2021. Uh, Horizon Worlds has been a flop. Um, you know, Reality Labs is, I guess, um, you know, the Oculus Quest 2 has done well, so there's at least that. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, they've laid off 11,000 employees back in November 2022. Um, basically saying that uh, macroeconomic downturn, increased competition, and adds signal loss as the reason for the layoffs for that. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but like I, I just don't think the metaverse angle is where they need to be going with Facebook. It's it's really like lost with what they're doing with this because like they're putting out first off they have a peripheral like a new MetaQuest Pro that. It's supposed to be targeted towards offices, but it's like $1,500 for that headset. And like, are people really going to strap on a headset all day long to 
like work virtually it's just it sounds really bad they're like trying with the, to make the... cases for using vr in corporate training like you know especially um in learning maybe how to use let's say machinery or something or some type of process I mean, so that I you can actually that. do those things without yeah i mean yeah i get it too but that that does seem to be a rather niche kind of audience i mean i don't i don't know how many people would really be in the market for something like that I'm more surprised Facebook has a captive fucking audience and especially one that doesn't normally get into games, so to speak. I'm talking about your parents are probably living on Facebook. You know, a lot of people our age and so forth are living on Facebook. I know a lot of like younger folks seem to be shying away from Facebook, which is interesting, kind of how that trend's kind of gone. But regardless, my point is all the time I've been on Facebook and I see ads for all sorts of things. You know what I never see ads for? VR. No, that's funny is you'll see it depending on what your interests are. So like I see VR ads all the time because um, I I purchased VR headsets. Should, but that's what's funny is I was like, they're advertising me the Quest 2. They're literally when yeah, I purchase the Quest 2. It's they're like, preaching to the choir. They shouldn't be only pigeonholing that. They should be trying to market VR headset and why your parents want one. And again, well, I, I just think Facebook is being really silly, not jumping on some of the things they could do, like allowing people to create their own VR experiences and sharing them. Yeah, exactly. And it's really stupid that they they that that's how their algorithm works in the first place. Like you shouldn't be marketing the thing that you just purchased. Like you know that I purchased it because my account's tied to that. You know that yeah. I purchased those things. Like why are you trying to still sell me it? Like I already have it. I need, I don't need anymore. Um, some of it's like adjacent, like they'll, they have the, the different head straps or whatever you can get that has a built in battery and stuff. That's supposed to be way more comfortable and easier to put on, which that's a great product to, to try to, you know, send my way. But yeah, I get a ton of ads for just like the quest too. And like, Oh, Hey, it's got, you know, beat saber and resident evil four. It's like, yeah, I know that. Cause I, have one <laughs> it's like i don't need this um it's 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 really strange but yeah like they should do more experiences like that like try to figure out a way to integrate it into facebook or something like that where you could walk through your feed or you could see like yeah. somehow 3d video from people or something i don't know like it's just something different to do with it um like a, a gallery of your or stuff. a show in vr you know or something it's just Exactly. Like take a take a page out of you know Fortnite or heck even Roblox at this point. Like and, you know that's how you sell like the metaverse thing. Like the this the cheap stuff they've been showing now. It's just like no one like no one's thinking metaverse when they purchase the Quest VR. They're thinking all the other things I can do with it. Like meta like Meta Quest or Horizon VR is just like yeah whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, and Bobby points out, I went to an XR extended reality meetup and I asked people to define the metaverse for me. They described World of Warcraft and Zoom. So, yeah, yeah VR kind of has an identity problem right now. But you know what? And we've said mm -hmm. this before. Obviously, Facebook cannot find the magic sauce and how to market this thing. But who's already working on it? We all know they're working on it. And when they put it on the table, it's over for you hoes. I am talking about Apple. And I don't, I don't know if the, I've heard they may actually be doing like an AR headset. I don't remember what the latest rate, latest rumors say about Apple, but whatever it is they're doing, they're going to have that marketing video that shows, oh, this person can now and people pet, eat it up can now hold their they, grandkids through VR, whatever it is. Like, they, you know, they, they're going to. Yeah. yeah, you're right. People will eat it up because. But but you know what? 
whether you are pro-Apple, anti-Apple, ambivalent Apple, wherever you are on that scale, the fact is Apple knows how to sell it that very clearly Facebook does not. But maybe once Apple starts selling it, Facebook will pick up some hints. We'll see. It'll be too late at that point. But yeah. yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I can't wait for Apple to invent VR. Yeah, I, yes, they will, yes. But you know what? Once, you know, if you can, if you're the, you, you know, you're not an Apple fan or whatever, you know what? Once they invented touchscreen phones, we got all sorts of them. It wasn't just Apple. You can get a Google one or uh, you know, other companies have a touchscreen, but you can get a Windows phone. I'm just kidding. You can't get that anymore. But, you know, it was uh, it kind of opened the doors for other folks to make their versions of it. So I, 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 I just feel like the, somebody else could come up with that message. I'm not saying only Apple can do it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying all signs point to we're waiting for this to happen because no one else is getting it. And the proof is in this story that Loki just shared with us. All right. Moving right along. Let's talk about PlayStation Plus uh, and the collection that's available on the PlayStation 5, the PlayStation Plus collection. It will not be available much longer. This originally came out in September 2020, right around the time the PlayStation 5 originally launched. And if you have an active PS Plus membership, you can get some of PlayStation's uh, big games, not just first party, but third party stuff too. Bloodborne, God of War, Last of Us Remastered, Batman Arkham Knight, Fallout 4, Resident Evil 7, Biohazard. Well, after May 9th, the collection will be no more. You can still claim the titles until May 9th. So reminder, if you have a PS5, you might want to go do that because once the games are associated with your account, you will continue to have access to them. Sony says they're going to be focusing efforts on growing the PS Plus library of monthly games and the games catalog. So they're kind of trying to redirect us towards that. But I can't help but wonder, is PlayStation about to drop something on May 10th? <laughs> You know, there's been rumors of a hardware refresh, although I guess rumor says that it, they're not changing the form or anything like that. They're just going to be moving to a diskless only PlayStation, but with a disk drive sold separately type of thing. I don't see. How, I, I, I don't like I, 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 I it's get, all rumor. It's all rumor. You know, we don't know until Sony says so. So it's but, but it like and like to just put it this way, like that is weird. I mean, it's not weird if they do that, but like. Think think about what that actually says, though, for their their um, consumer partners and stuff. Like, yeah, I get it that they're going to have an external disk drive, but if they're only going to be going forward with like digital only, like, who's going to push your console then? Yeah, like I, I still never understood. Like, I I don't think they could fully get away from physical media because once again, yeah, you'd have to sell your console direct. I mean, you may get like Target and stuff like that to carry them, but like they're not really incentivized to do so because they make nothing off hardware, like nothing. Like it's almost like you're losing money selling hardware. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't make any sense for them to push that or even carry your product. And like now you're taking it out of GameStop or something like that. They're going to stop pushing everything of yours. Like yeah. I just, that's a, that's a wild, wild, stupid move. If you ask me, 
I will say this, though. What's interesting about the PlayStation 5, we're getting to that point where we can pass the target test. That's two lo- local-ish stores. I mean, Folsom's a ways away from me. That have I still haven't seen that. Have PS5s I, I've been, in stock. I've been there, and I haven't seen them. So but. they're they're around. So uh, it's, we're getting to that point. So I, I actually ends up being a conundrum for me personally because I really want to get a PS5. Like, you know, especially now that Theatrhythm's on the horizon. I know it's a PS4 game, but why not? We'll play it on PS5. Uh, you know, get, getting the games in this collection. Uh, you know, the other PS5 games I've uh, picked up. I don't know. I still kind of want to check out Forspoken. Definitely Final Fantasy 16 for me. Um, and so on. I mean, never gonna pick one up i think it's just gonna be pc from now on like because it's kind of too late at this point and i mean based off of how much you use my xbox series x which is in a box right now Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i just probably am not gonna pick one up uh did you remember pointing out best buy has the ps5 got a war console bundle yeah so you can you can find them if you know where to look we're getting to that point so um I I got to figure this out because I'm really worried I'm going to buy one in the next week. They're going to be like hardware refresh. But I'm also kind of starting to go like, OK, is it the end of the world? Like if they don't do a full out PS5 mini or something, is it the end of the world? And I don't know if they're actually going to do that when they're releasing the VR2 this year. That's going to be where they're going to shift their hardware. You know, I I, I don't know. But. We'll yeah, it's going to be crazy them trying to sell their VR too when no one's carrying their console because they're going digital only. Um, and also on top of that, like I, I understand, you know, once again, the need for that type of stuff. But, you know, have they what are they shipping them as far as digital storage right now? I mean, is it still a terabyte? Is it half a terabyte? Like what what exactly are they including with it? Because. Those things fill up fast, yeah. especially with these modern games. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's too soon. I get it because, yeah, most of the sales nowadays are digital sales. But at the same time, the physical sales are we're keeping these game stores alive. And yeah. you say, oh, yeah, we're taking it away from you. They're going to drop you hard. And like, and unfortunately, yeah, those stores are where your phys- your console sales are going or your accessories. And people could buy all that stuff online. Yeah, I get that and stuff. But there's just not a lot of incentive for retailers to sell that if they can't make up a margin somewhere and that margin's going to usually be games. And if you're telling them, well, no, you don't get that anymore. They're not going to carry your product. Uh, looking at some chat comments over at uh, twitch.tv slash network. Zenmonkey says your PlayStation plus account is going to link to a cloud server. while all your games are going to be, it's over, you know, Aren't we kind of moving that direction a little bit? I mean, don't we kind of think that cloud gaming probably is going to be the future at some point? It's just we're not we're not quite there yet, but like in 10 years probably. Mm. Some people will say no, but I I sort of say again, look at what Hollywood's doing. You know, and not saying physical games will never be available. They will, just like the, you know, Target still has a Blu-ray section, but the conversation Apparently. is uh, the conversation is around Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, et cetera, et cetera. You name it. It's all it's all cloud-based video at this yeah, point. It, it, Absolutely, the game industry will follow the same way. Doesn't mean it's going to be it, the only way, but it'll be the mass way. 
for sure and and like i get it like they they stores will adjust based on where you know what's available like yeah a dvd or not even dvd it's probably blu-ray nowadays um at like say a target or something like that it's one aisle it's like it's small like they don't really carry that much anymore and and that's understandable because not a lot of people are purchasing video that way but there are still people that are doing that and so they have that available um games are you know physical for the most part at least a lot of people still buy physical games for people because let's be honest like if you're you know grandparents or whatever buying stuff for kids their grandkids they don't understand about like they may do gift cards or something like that, but they're not gonna be able to purchase like a specific game for their kid because one, I don't even think there is gifting on like a lot of these digital storefronts, at least not on Nintendo. I don't think. Um, and it's well, just, you it's can walk into Target and buy the cards. There's that right type of thing. But that's not. But yeah, but a gift card isn't as personal as picking out something specific for somebody like if you know what they want and you're like well here's a gift card here's some cash go buy it yourself like that it it's not as personal um i just think i don't know we'll we'll see what happens like it, they it, it could be nothing it would be silly though if they release a digital only system and then external disk drive that just it just doesn't make any sense but i get it reduce the number of SKUs, except they're not um, but like reducing the main hardware down to one SKU saves Sony some money, but also like, I don't know. It's just silly. Um, I can't see with a question in chat saying um, everyone says 10 years for cloud gaming, but when 10 years gets here, will people actually want it? I think so. But you know what? I think the secret is there. And I've said this before on OLR. I think the key, the key thing that's missing is that you still have to be on Wi-Fi. And I think when reliable 5G is in more places, I think that's the secret thing that's missing. When you can truly pick up on your phone or tablet or Chromebook, whatever it is, and anywhere play something or pick up, you know, whatever was in progress, I think that'll be the key thing. And again, I'm just going to say, look to Hollywood. The proof is there. What was transformative for Netflix? The app and being able to watch things at work over over 5g uh or 5ge or 4g lte whatever being able to do uh that i i kind of think that is a thing uh i can't see says i'm an advocate for cloud gaming and i think it could lower the barrier of entry but i'm salty towards the detractors uh zen monkey 11 says i already know i don't want it and i won't be sub to it you know what it's going to be though it's going to come back to this old adage a system is only as good as the games that are on it and that will absolutely be true of the cloud gaming true. And it's absolutely true of the digital platforms as well. Why are Showtime and Hulu now consolidating into one app? Showtime doesn't have anything. Well, they have some things. They don't have the things people want right now. They don't have the Twin Peaks return thing anymore. They don't have things. That are, so Showtime's going to merge into, or is it merging into Paramount? Sorry, I might be mixing that up. But you know what? You know what I'm right. You, you, you know what I'm getting to. They'll this. merge the Paramount I want subscribe to paramount i think Showtime, gotta, yeah subscribe. showtime's merging into paramount if i remember right we gotta we gotta only subscribe to showtime during um uh what was it, it oh gosh what's the show and j just quickly before why you're thinking of that that's a huge reason why Yellow jackets that's a huge reason why stadia didn't move buku units was because, well, because there was Stadia no Stadia exclusive games that everybody wanted. They, yes, they well, had exclusive games, but they didn't have Wii Sports. 
Well, they also had the they made you purchase the games on a platform instead of just having a subscription to access all the games. Like, there is there's that too, yes, which is is different from the Netflix and Hulu model. Yes, yes, yes. Although to be fair, but I they did a they did a really bad job saying this towards the to be fair, if you had that Stadia Gold, you were getting enough free games that you kind of had a big library there because they were pumping enough games through that service where it's like they kind of you actually did kind of have that. But they, uh, but again, we've said this a million times. Perception is everything, right? Google never accurately or successfully shattered that perception gamers had of what you just said that there was a whole library you could buy into they just they just couldn't shatter that and they didn't have the the exclusives you know and i don't mean literally wii sports i mean people bought a nintendo wii not because they wanted a nintendo wii because they wanted nintendo wii sports that's the type people did not buy a PlayStation five because they wanted a playstation five well some did I'm, i'm gonna get in trouble if i don't quantify but what really moved that God of War, Horizon, Last of Us, or whatever, whatever your Sony game is, that's what's moving those consoles. Google didn't have anything at that level. They didn't invest or risk in things in that level because they yanked that fucking studio like before the God, they didn't give it any time. We all know that. We all know that. Anyway. All right, I, I am going to invite uh, Lister Roundtable questions in our chat over twitch.tv slash network and, and phone calls if anybody's feeling up to it over at uh, vognetwork.com slash discord. Uh, I usually will go to our email bag here too. Uh, participate at orangelaundrader.com. Unfortunately, womp womp, no emails this week. But I do believe I saw a tweet that came in. And I wanted to read this tweet uh, that was sent to us at the OLR account. And I'm going to try to get better at this, at reading these sorts of things. But Zeba actually tweeted us this week. Hi, Zeba, and I hope you're well. Who said, look at these games that are turning 10. Jeez. And sure enough, 2023 is a big year for these iconic games. Guess what? All of these games are 10 years old this year. Saints well, no, Row. These, these will all qualify for Classic Game of the Week. Saints at some point this year. Saints Row 4. Grand Theft Auto 5. I'm sorry, that one is fucking funny. Tomb Raider. The Last of Us. Pokemon X and Y. Assassin's Creed 4. Bioshock Infinite. Pikmin 3. Super Mario 3D World. And The Legend of Zelda A Link Between Worlds. Super Mario 3D World is 10 years old this year and we still don't have a stinking sequel. What in the world? We got some DLC for the, you know, 3D World on Switch, but yeah. that's about it. I'm just surprised they never did a true sequel to that. That's all. Uh, thank you, Zeba, for making us all feel that much older. Yes, Red Entertainment says, can you say something else to make me feel old? Um, sure, we can talk about music that's turning 40 years old this year. It's a bunch of 80 songs. <sighs> anyway all right so yes you can always tweet us over at, at twitter.com slash olr and uh sometimes i'm good about checking that uh, but not always so i don't i have to admit i don't really follow the grammys but i under because i i think the grammys are whatever but i do you know i can appreciate i guess that um video games are getting more and more of a presence at the grammys who did video i think video game stuff won a grammy tonight right um oh yeah composer 
Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to catch up on this here. Um, Steph Ekonomu, I hope I said that right, won a Grammy for their work on Assassin's Creed Valhalla Dawn of Ragnarok. That's not right. <laughs> is this this is a is this a parody account? Assassin's Creed Valhalla Dawn of Ragnarok. Or is that no? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so it's not God of War. No, it is correct. That is the name of it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Donna Ragnarok, I think, isn't that um, like DLC for it or something? Oh, like- that's why I got confused with God of War. Okay, I get it, I get it. Got it, yeah. The first Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack for Video Games. So this was the first year that the Grammys was actually doing this award. I remember that part. Okay, that's what it was. So um, we also had nominated uh, Austin Wintory for Aliens Fire Team Elite. Uh, S. Bear McCreary for Call of Duty Vanguard, Richard Jacques for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Christopher Tin for Old World were also nominated in this category. But it was this DLC uh, that they're saying in chat um, that won uh, the award. Well, that's that's cool, I guess, if you follow that sort of thing. Play this with audio if you can. All right. Is this copyright? Am I getting a copyright strike? Hold on. Oh, this is nine seconds. All right, I'm going to play this with audio. Sorry, Loki. You're not going to be able to hear this. I don't have a way to fix this, but let's uh, let's listen here. And the Grammy goes to... Assassin's Creed Valaha. <laughs> and the Grammy... Valaha. <laughs> France. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Adele Dezim. <laughs> you know what? I should not be making fun of anyone for the their pronunciation live because live radio, live performance, it's a bitch. All right. Let's just let's just say that. Valaha. Assassin's Creed Valaha Blast. <sighs> You know what? I didn't even know that it was actually tied to a game. I didn't realize it was DLC, but in my defense, I have never downloaded a piece of DLC for Assassin's Creed. I, but I like the fact that it's, you know, getting uh, getting the acknowledgement. That's kind of nice. So, all right. Uh, I think that's it. I don't see any calls coming in. Oh, let me check for last minute stories from Loki. Do you have any last minute stories? I have, I have nothing. So. I've been looking. It was a pretty yeah. busy week, though, wasn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I mean, I guess I could talk about this. I didn't really want to mention it because I don't play the game very much. Um, but there was stuff for uh, The Sims 4. So they, they had a... I don't know if it was like a, a Sims Direct or something that they did. But there is a new update that's going to be coming out that's adding like infants to the game. Which hmm. I thought that there already were. I guess babies just grow up to children all the way. But... Uh, normally but um they're going to be adding infants to the game and then there was also something about like um what else was it uh something about more uh, trans representation they had like um upper surgery scars or something like that that you can add or different like hmm. you know things for that to represent that you're going through the transition process i'm sorry was this sims uh, i missed the game yeah yeah it's, yeah the sims for yeah ups, uh adds uh trans inclusive top sur- top surgery body scar options huh, okay is what they had um and then uh yeah the up the baby update which apparently was team or teased back in october during the sims summit 
and I guess beginning March 14th, um, you will have an, a customization option that says allowing to it says allowing each Rugrat to exist on their own person or as their own person. New hair options, clothes, and accessories. Um, they said that apparently, let's see, they're going to be doing like a generations pack. Uh, that's going to be along with that. That's going to have some other things. And then Sims five is still ways off. That's what I see. Um, you know, uh, one of my drag King friends had that top surgery you were referring to earlier this year. And, uh, they, they came up with a term for this that, uh, I, I will not forget. This is their, their wording. And I, I think this is great. Uh, and I can't get this out of my head. Anytime somebody mentions that type of top surgery is that they, they had the surgery to yeet the teat. <laughs> And they they had their uh, celebration after the surgery of having uh, uh, the teat yeeted. So, but that's neat. That's nice to have all, all the sorts of the representation in there. And that speaking of games that are old, The Sims Four that is ex- incredibly Super old. old. Yeah, so it's it's cool that they're still doing all those types of updates to it. So, all right. All right. Well, uh, that's that's it for another Orange Launch Radio. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for downloading and checking out our show or listening to us live. However you participated with the show, we appreciate you uh, being a part of the family and uh, making the show happen. If you enjoyed what you heard here at Orange Launch Radio, or hey, if you hated it, but you think you know someone who might like this, please help us spread the word. Uh, we are the show where every gamer has a voice, but we need more voices to put out on air. So tell a friend or two, uh, a nice five-star review on a site like iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you found this show. They go an awful long way as well. So thank you so much uh, for all the great feedback. You could j- just send us a tweet with the heart emoji. It makes us feel good at OLR, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Um, emails are great too. We haven't had one in a really long time. So participate at orangelaunchradio.com for that. And yes, SSJ100 Matt says, please don't spread the word via balloon. Oh, too soon, too soon. Okay. Um, that is that is all I have to say. So I think we're going to go around and get everybody's final thought tonight. So Loki, what is your final thought for the night? Uh, I forgot to mention I had a new episode come out of my uh, Minecraft series last week. Well, so hopefully everyone's on our Discord server and saw the promo for that. <laughs> yep. I like to sell promo myself mm-hmm. all the time. Me too. Awesome. Uh, and my final thought is, uh, I did a, I did a stream this week and I'm going to do some more this week. I really want to stream Theatrhythm when that is out. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, exciting stuff. I did want to mention one more thing. Uh, we're doing a channel 64 stream day on Saturday. Oh, cool. So I will be streaming at 4 PM Pacific, I believe. Yeah. 4 PM Pacific, but we're going to be going all day. So be doing some Minecraft streaming this week. Nice. Uh, since we're self-promoing, I guess I should mention for any locals here in Northern California, the Sacramento area specifically, I actually have a double hosting weekend. So I'm going to be very busy this next weekend. I probably won't have a voice on next week's show, but I'll do my best. Uh, but if you're curious, Friday night, uh, I'm going to be hosting a burlesque drag variety show called My Bloody Valentine. It's called Gorlesque. So it's burlesque, but with a twist to it. Uh, but it's a lot of fun and uh, everybody works very hard on their acts and they do, they do, I, I, I don't want to promise there's going to be aerialism and fire and that sort of thing, but previous shows have had that. So it wouldn't be out of character if they're there this week. I don't know all the acts uh, as I know who's doing it. I don't know what they're doing, but it's a great lineup. You can check it out. Lovehorrorevents.com. That's my bloody Valentine is going to be on Friday uh, at the, all these shows are at the uh, historic colonial theater on Stockton Boulevard. And then Saturday night, 
the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the cult cinema classic on stage, on screen, big crowd, cast that's been rehearsing for the last few weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll be hosting that as well. Saturday night, 8.30 showtime, also at the Historic Colonial Theater. You can check out that and uh, a lot of events from the group that I work with over at lovehorrorevents.com. They just announced the lineup for Sinister Creature Con. And I know it's not horror, but I think they know what blends the line that the horror crowd also likes. And I will just say, so the lineup they got for um, Sinister Creature Con, they actually have, they have several people. They have like cool things. Like they have the original guy that played Michael Myers is going to be there. They have uh, Rachel True, who is in the craft. But the one that cracked me up, they're going to have Jason Mewes, uh, Brian O'Hallahan or whatever his name is, Dante and Randall and jay are all going to be there so that's awesome people are going to be very excited about that i'm sure so that is coming up in june on father's day weekend so there's the promo for that but i i do stuff with that stuff locally so i don't always talk about it here on this show um but just if you happen to be local and you want to see one of those shows and don't be shy you can come up and say hi it's all well not during the show but after it would be great i'm i always hang out after the show so uh that's it we'll see you next week have a great week everybody uh take care and we'll see you next time bye You've been listening to Orange Lounge Radio. Orange Lounge Radio is a production of OLR Studios. To join us for our live show, tune in to VogNetwork.com Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff of Orange Lounge Radio nor Vogue Network, but you know they were all still true. 